Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, good morning, good morning, a pleasant, good Wednesday morning. Another bright, beautiful, sunny day, boys and girls, right here in Hamilton, Ohio. I mean, it's like clockwork around here. Every single day, uh, my, my, the will to live just grows stronger when I set foot in this beautiful town. That, that's for sure. I almost, I saw. See, I, I was being serious for a second. I, yeah, I mean, and, right and, and then we go there. We right, wallow we in this. Five seconds into the show. What are you guys talking? He he said that it's a beautiful day, and I I agreed. I concurred. You're being facetious. No, I'm not. You were being, being you were being facetious. This is a beautiful town. This the is a beautiful shining. town. Always this is the home town. of Joe Nuxall. <laughs> Correct. The old left-hander. Today, Tom, there's always something when I drive into this beautiful town, as oh you mentioned, God. and today. Uh, sometimes I've run into this issue before, but there's a row of geese that take over the street over here. A row uh, of geese? Yeah, about 30 of them. They, they march one by one across the road. You That's gotta cool. Sit, and you got, well, it's cool until you got to get to work. So you got to sit patiently for all the geese to cross the road. And, and you know, by the, by the 18th goose, I was debating using my 2003 <laughs> Chevy Impala and, and, and just running over them. But I, 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 I'm not like Casey. I'm not going to do that. I let all the geese peacefully pass the road. And, and on my way, I went. You left the geese Casey, peace. any response before geese we get to Marty Brennan on this? I, mean, I don't hit animals. I don't hit animals with my car. No, but you were part of an animal dying at your old school. Correct. I was not. So that's no. a fact. I was that's not, a fact, though. Casey. I was not. This was, this was something... Something that happened like years before I even made it to high school. Okay. Happened years before. Okay. Blanny All was right. not my fault. Okay. Lindsay, are you doing well this morning? Yes, I am. You are? Mm-hmm. Okay. How are, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, before we get to the headlines today, let's just go ahead and get right into it here today. With the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman, we're kind enough to have him join us on Off the Bench. Presented by United Dairy Farmers every Wednesday. I mean, he's got to play around with that busy travel schedule of his. I mean, I saw where you put something yes. on X last night. That uh, it, let's see, in the last in the last two weeks, you've made two trips to Arizona, and I saw you posted on X with our good friend Jim Day last night that you guys had planned some big soiree again in those highfalutin cities of London and Paris. Is that right? In December. Yes, around Christmas time. In December. Yes. Well, it's it's well before Christmas. It's the first part of December. We'll be back home by the 17th. So it will be before Christmas. But, you know, he and his wife, Stephanie, have never been to Europe. And uh, all I need, uh, Amanda needs, is a reason to go to London. And then we sit down and plan it. And we did that last night. Yeah. For those uh, that watch Jim Day, uh, you know him very, very, very well. You guys have taken vacations together. You spent a lot of time on the one. road. We've done Jim that Day. once. Okay, you did that one. That's yeah. when he was falling asleep out on the deck of some boat or something, and you were spreading around that picture of him with a boiler and all that kind of thing. But, the, the I mean, that was really rude what you used to do to him. It was it was. Despicable. I may post it again now that you've brought it up. I may post it again. <laughs> When you do things like that to him, why does he keep coming back for more, thinking he's going to go somewhere else with you and you might do the same thing to him in some form or fashion again? Let me tell you something. I've got more pictures of Jim Day in various poses, <laughs> most of which are very unflattering. <laughs> and I will periodically post them. And now that you brought up the one 
when he was asleep out on that deck overlooking the beautiful bay in St. St. Thomas. Uh, I might post that picture again. That's, that's a great picture. And he doesn't think it is. And he lives in stark, he lives in stark terror every morning he wakes up wondering what I will post, if anything. And I may go two months without posting a picture, and all of a sudden there's one from the past that shows up. And I just go back periodically and collect the pictures again and then determine which one I think is most appropriate for the day in which I plan to post it. That's the way it is. All right. And he's threatened with posting pictures of me. I don't care about that. I mean, he's got pictures of me with sleep on a plane with my mouth wide open. I don't care. I, I could care. I'm the well, most you had transparent person. a picture of you in the booth when you were asleep or something like. You took a little cat nap. I don't know if that was in the, 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 the third and fourth innings or maybe it was right before the game. Just a quick, you know, 10-minute, 15-minute yeah, snooze. Everybody yeah. needs one of those. Every now and then. Yeah, I could care less. That doesn't bother me. He's got a picture of me mooning him on the beach. <laughs> God. And uh, uh, <laughs> Yost Van Dyke, which is one of the – smaller islands in the u.s virgin islands uh they've got a great beach bar that you can only get to by water and you you come up in a boat and you get out and you walk up on the shore and there the there the 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 bar is right there on the beach is spectacular and I, I gave him a quick shot he's i think he's got somebody's got a picture of that nobody's ever posted i could care less seen one you've seen them all you know some are bigger yeah. than others some are smaller i don't care that's exactly <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah that's true that's true um, Vince Scully never did it. No, Vince Scully never did that. No, I don't think Jack Buck did either. I could be Harry Carey, maybe. I don't know, but certainly not Vince. Scully. Bernie Harwell, no, no chance. Um, no, 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 nor Kurt Gowdy or Joe Garagiola Senior and the rest of the guys, all Hall of Famers. No. Um, you can't take yourself too seriously. Go ahead. Definitely not. Um, you know that no. reminds me uh, about. Um, uh, the, the the Ford Frick Award and how that whole thing kind of you just you just made me think of this and how you know the one guy I think you and I would love to see go in there and certainly has earned his way in there is Tom Hamilton up in Cleveland Ohio I mean that guy right. is a great broadcaster and has been for a long long time I'm hoping he's going to get that call one of these days I think Tom Hamilton will get that call within the next two or three years um I don't know how the voting went, you know, how close it was. They never revealed that. And I'm on that committee to, you know, select the guy that goes in each summer. But uh, he had to be very close this year, I would think. You know, Joe Castiglione is going to go in, and I think Joe's a good broadcaster and a great guy. And, and the thing about Hamilton, just like Joe, not only good broadcasters, but also great people. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the thing. As I've said all along, I, I don't care how good an athlete Joe Smith is. Uh, what I'm in, more interested in is what kind of person he is. And, and and Tom Hamilton's a quality, quality person. And I guarantee you one day, that, and the day will come in the not-too-distant future when he will win the Frick Award. And I, by the way, and I think we might have touched on this last week, somebody might have brought it up, about changing the name of that award from Ford Frick to Vin Scully. And, yeah. and that's something, I mean, I don't, I don't know why baseball is hesitant. They, 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 they pause all the time about stuff that I, I personally think because I'm in the fraternity is important. And, and Ford Frick 
had nothing to do with broadcasting. He was a commissioner of baseball back in the, I think, late 40s and early 50s. When I was a kid growing up in Virginia in the early 50s, he was a commissioner of baseball. That award should be named after a great broadcaster. And there's no greater broadcaster when it comes to baseball than Vin Scully. So the award should be named after him. Yep. I, I couldn't agree with you. Oh, okay. and, and hopefully that's yeah. something that, that somebody hears and, and looks into discussing. All right, I want to get into a couple things with you real quick from the Reds. What were your reaction? Um, you know, I always loved watching a guy play. I thought he, he was a gamer. Now, he may not be the same player now that he used to be, but the Reds have brought in at least in a spring training invitee to Josh Harrison, young man who went to Princeton High School here, University of Cincinnati here. What did you think about that move? I mean, I, there's no guarantees he's going to make the team, but why not, right? That's, a, that's another quality person. There's another big-time quality person. Yeah. I, I don't think you can have too many guys, uh, you know, in the, the the relationship that I would have with him periodically when he was in our league with the teams that he played for, um, he was just first class in every sense of the word. And and uh, he's had enough productive years in the major leagues where I don't think the Reds are risking anything at all by bringing him into camp and giving him a leg legitimate shot, and which I'm sure they will, uh, at making the roster. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just as I was thrilled with, with signing Brent Suter, obviously he's in a stronger position than Josh is because he's going to make the club, barring any unforeseen circumstances, and be a very important person in that bullpen. But Josh Harrison, is, I think it's a great move. Uh, I welcome it. I look forward to seeing him when I go back to Arizona for two weeks of spring training. I think it's a tremendous move by Nick Kroll. You know, it seems like uh, whether it's Suter and, and these aren't I, I don't I don't mean to sound like these are, are charity cases because they're not, especially no. Suter. He's been very productive uh, throughout his whole career. Harrison's Dales, his days have, have certainly, you know, um, uh, backed up a little, if you will. But it seems like they're in search, Dad, uh, whether it's Candelario because uh, I think a lot of people in baseball, and I've heard a lot of conversations more and more here recently as we're getting close to spring training, that kind of scratch their head at why the Reds would sign Candelario with all these other infielders that they have. And I don't want to get into that. The point I'm making is, is that it seems like they are really searching uh, for some veteran presence in that locker room knowing Votto's not going to be here anymore. You agree with that? I think you're 100% correct. I, I truly do all you need to do is look at the consistency among the veteran players that they brought in. Going back to what you just mentioned about, uh, and you and I talked a moment ago about how quality Harrison is, how quality Brent Suter is. Uh, everybody says Candelario is top notch as a person and as an influencer in the clubhouse. I don't think there's any question whatsoever that with the knowledge that Votto will no longer be putting on a Reds uniform to play, uh, and and the and the influence, the positive influence he had on so many of these young guys in that clubhouse, I think they need that. Uh, I, I, and I, I think the moves that the Reds are making, uh, especially uh, you, you, you know, Candelario is going to be a part of this come opening day. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I see nothing wrong at all with that. I'm always reminded of, and I talked to this uh, somebody about this in writing a book the other day about when the club traded. Uh, Tony Perez, after the, uh, <laughs> excuse me, 1977 season, uh, because Bob Housen called him in and told him, you know, now's the time. We feel like it's time now to play Danny Dreesen at first base. 
And because you've been such a great player with us, uh, Housen told him, we'll, we're giving you the opportunity of staying here with the knowledge that you're not going to play every day, or we will trade you to a club that has a chance of winning to give you a chance of being on a winning ball club. Tony obviously chose that, that option and went on to the Montreal Expos and then come spring training in 1978. I'll never forget Sparky and I in that little cramped office at Al Lopez field. And I were talking and he said, this club made a terrible, terrible mistake. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, trading Tony Perez. And I said, well, he's a great player. He said, more importantly than that, it's the influence that he had in that clubhouse. And I, you know, maybe you can draw some parallels between, uh, you know, looking for a veteran presence or two now, as opposed to the way it was then, because this is a much younger team, maybe more important now than it was then, because that was basically a veteran team. Yeah, well, which again, it, it circles you back to ultimately where all of this starts is Joey Votto. Uh, I don't think Correct. anybody had a, had a problem in any form or fashion with the team not picking up a $20 million option on him. Nobody, no, nobody yeah. had a problem with that. I think there were a lot of people out there that thought, okay, they're not going to pick up the 20. They owed him whatever they owed him, seven, eight, nine million bucks just to leave. But, you know, that, that maybe they would, they would still consider bringing him back. Do you, do you think that there is any chance whatsoever of that happening? He's not signed with anybody. Uh, he was posting pictures on X the other day. Uh, he, he went to the, what, the NHL All-Star game, and he's taking pictures with mascots. Yeah. and all. I mean, he's obviously having fun. He's got the full beard going the whole nine yards. But, I mean, clearly he wants to play, and he doesn't have a team. Do you think there is any chance that the Reds consider trying to bring him back? Well, you, you know, you, I don't think you never say never. Yeah. I, I try to keep from ever saying that because I've seen stranger things than this happen when I felt there was not a chance in hell that it would. But you just made the key comment a moment ago leading up to this question, and that is he wants to play. I don't, I think to me, that's the stumbling block here because I don't think that they, if they brought him back, he would not get the kind of playing time that would make him happy because he still thinks that he can be a productive player, maybe not on an everyday basis. But I, I think I think that more than money is 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 the is the stumbling block in this thing, because I really believe that he would come back here for a pittance compared to 20 million dollars, a pittance compared to even seven million, which was his walk money but they simply don't have anywhere for him to play. So at this point right now, barring something unpredictable un, 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 down the road, I don't think there's any chance that Joey Votto will wear a red uniform as a player in 2024. Okay. Um, let's, uh, the, the last thing that I'll ask you about baseball-wise in the news, a couple of big moves yesterday with Altuve staying in Houston. I think people love seeing that. And Clayton Kershaw staying in Los Angeles, physical pending. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, th those guys have played their whole careers like Votto did until this year uh, in those two towns. And, you know, a lot of times it seems like the fans, you know, get lost with all the players changing teams and trades and free agents and so on and so forth. At least in those two cities, they still got their guy. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of both of those. I, I'm, I'm, I would be inclined, Tom, to think that Altuve probably had an opportunity to go somewhere else if he wanted to. 
I don't know that Kershaw did. Right. Um, when Kershaw is going into his 17th year or something like that, they signed him to a contract for 24 with an option, I guess a mutual option in 25. Um, uh, but uh, at the same time, it, here are two players that have spent their entire lives with one club. And, and, and both, certainly in Altuve's case, because I'm, I'm a firm believer in the fact he's one of the top 30 or 35 players in baseball. Uh, and I can remember, as you can, when he broke in back in 2011 or whatever it was. Uh, but it, it, it does my heart good to see two guys like that uh, sign contracts to stay where they have always been. Uh, and, 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 you know, you know that they're both good people, uh, whether you know them or not, because there's never been any any information that has, has been linked to them throughout their careers, it would tell you otherwise. So I'm, I'm thrilled to death that they're both staying where they've always been. I think it's a wonderful sign. I wish more players would do that. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, let's bounce around the room a little bit today, guys. For the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman. Reed, you are always first on the dock. I am. I, I always lead off. It's, That's a, it's right. a pleasure to always lead off. Listen. Marty, you are a world traveler, and I like to travel myself, but I haven't seen uh, as much of the world as you have. Out of all of your travels, out of all the places you've been, what is, without a doubt, your favorite spot to visit? Wow. To go to? What do you mean, wow? What the hell? That, that That's ain't no a good big question. Deal. That's a good question. I mean, you've been to a lot <laughs> okay. of different places. I'm starting off As a matter of fact, I'm interested in hearing the answer to this question. So please forgive me and read. I think it's a good question. All right. Well, I'm, my, my favorite country is Italy. My favorite city is where we're going back to in December. It'll be my third time in the last four years going to London. I love London. It's the best for me. Um, I could live in London. I can't make that statement about any other city in Europe, but I can say that about London. Um, so that would be it. Italy, the food is incredible. Uh, the country is beautiful. The people are great. Uh, but there's just something magical uh, as a city. And I've been to Rome and I've been to Athens and been to Florence and been all over Paris. Um, don't like Paris at all, but I'm going to be forced to go back there on this trip coming up for two or three days. Forced to go back. Uh, I mean, come I, on. I don't care. I don't care about Paris at all. Um, so, so London is, it would be my favorite city unless I go to some place that I like even better. And I can't imagine where that would be. I thought you told me you liked, um, it was not Prague. <laughs> was it Prague? No, no. I said Budapest was a Budapest. pretty city. I knew it was one world. of those. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Budapest is the most, there can't be a more beautiful city on this globe than, than Budapest. Uh, one thing that is consistent with all of those countries, uh, the food stinks, except for Italy. The food stinks. In fact, when we went on the river cruise down the Danube last summer, and we stopped at all these places, uh, and that was an incredible trip. I highly recommend that to people. We started in Regensburg, Germany, after spending two days in Prague. Prague's a wonderful city. We went down the Danube. We stopped at little towns along the way. We stopped in Vienna, which is one of the greatest cities in the world. I was stunned at what a world-class city Vienna is. I had a gourmet meal there. And that's when I spotted a Five Guys restaurant. <laughs> Best meal I had the whole time I was on that riverboat. Five Guys. Oh, the best. See, I thought that was the question. That's a hell of a question. Food is horrible in London. The food is terrible in London. 
Uh, Amanda loves Indian food. Uh, Jim's wife, Stephanie, loves Indian food. I detest Indian food. But I ate at an Indian restaurant in London, which I'm looking forward to going back to, the greatest lamb chops I've ever eaten. And so that I know I can eat that in an Indian restaurant, but I'm really not a big fan of the food. So you want to do a like a like a travel podcast kind of thing? Yeah, I no. think that would be a good idea. I'm All not right. interested in doing that. <laughs> Casey, go ahead. Next question, Mr. Brennan. Thanks, Casey. Reed. Good, good question. Uh, Marty, Casey. Yes, Kate, I, Trace, uh, Casey. I do have one question for you. Um, what happened last night? I knew it. What I happened? Knew it. <laughs> what happened to the Tar Heels last night? Believe it. I knew that. I knew that. I turned the thing on I, 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 incredibly because Jim and Stephanie came over last night. I forgot the game was on. So I turned it on with about eight minutes, nine minutes to go in the first half, and they're getting blown out. And I said, here we go again. Here we go again. Two times in the last three games, Georgia Tech beats them. Then they have with the maybe the best game they played all year long last Saturday against Duke right. to beat Duke, and then they fall on their faces last night. And as I tweeted, this is a reason why this team won't win the NCAA championship because they can't play well. They have letdowns, and I blame the coaching staff and I blame the players. And I saw Armando Baycott made a comment: "We just weren't ready to play, and that's going to change." I would I would have screamed at him. Son, do you realize this is a 23rd game you people have played this season and you say you can't be ready to play? I got a problem with that. And, you know, so I don't know. That, that, I tell you what, they got to play at Miami on Saturday. Don't book that as a win because that ain't that's no guarantee either. I right. guess I get very frustrated, very frustrated. You never know it. Yeah, you I was going to say they you still got to play. They got to play Duke again and they have to go to Virginia. There's – there's some tough games. Virginia is really playing game. well. And Virginia yeah. has a, is the hottest team in the ACC right now. People have given them up for lost uh, three weeks ago, and they are, have currently stamped themselves as an NCAA tournament team with the way they've been playing lately. Plus, I think they have, uh, for my money, the best coach in the Atlantic Coast Conference to begin with. I think he's the best. All right, Casey, well done. Uh, Lindsey? Anything for Mr. Brenneman today? You are becoming more and more a part of the program. Yes, program. you are, Lindsay. So, Lindsay, the last time you that, that, that Marty was here, you you were all over it. Mm-hmm. Are you ready today or no? I have a question, yeah. Please do. Go ahead. Um, I'm curious, who do you want to win the Super Bowl? The 49ers or the Chiefs? Wow. Good. I'm a, I, I think I'm I'm a big Brock Purdy fan. Not that I don't like Patrick Mahomes, I do. But I, I'm 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 uh, I'm pulling for the San Francisco 49ers to win that game. Okay. Is that because Purdy Lindsay, was can, the last I, guy in the draft picked? I mean, you're rooting for the kind of the underdog yeah. guy. Is that the reason? Right. Yeah. yeah. He he's a good quarterback. I mean, he can play. Uh, yeah. So can well. You got to. You're not going to have a team in the Super Bowl that has a bad quarterback to begin with. So you got two of the best, but I'm just pulling for San Francisco, um, and and hopefully it'll turn out that way. Can I make a comment to Lindsay? Well, by all means, you're you asking, right here. You're asking questions on a weekly basis with me after I have to deal with Dumb and Dumber sitting there. It's like a <laughs> breath of fresh air. I'm glad I can help. Glad I can help. Thank you. Lindsay's on it. All right. Well, the back end of Dumb and Dumber. Hey, ha- hey Marty, how you doing? Here we go. 
Let's Talking go, about baby. the geeks at the beginning of the show. You know how many people you had turn off this show in the first 30 seconds when you start talking about those damn geese crossing the road? Listen, huh? you, were, you were ranking your favorite cities in the world. My personal favorite city. And this isn't a shtick. Norwood. This isn't a joke. It is Hamilton, Ohio. This is the greatest city in the world where dreams become true. That is that is what Hamilton is. And you know, every once in a while, there's a row of geese walking along the road. I, it's just what I complain about. Every once in a while, you're walking the streets and bang, you get hit with a bullet. It's just it's just <laughs> what happens in Hamilton, Ohio. You just got to get used to it. It's a beautiful town. It's it, it's great. But I, I want to make it very clear. I love this city. It's my favorite city in the whole wide world. That's what I wanted to get clear. Let me make a point about that. That comment okay. you made a moment ago, where dreams come true. Yeah. You better open up your eyes, son, because it ain't happened for you yet. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good point, Marty. I got okay. I got here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask one serious question, and then we'll go from there. That's really cold. By that the is way. cold. That is. That cold is for Marty. really cold. That is cold for Marty. Marty, go ahead. Okay. Here's here's my serious here's my serious question for you. There's a lot of hype okay. on this Reds team around Noel V. Marte, Ellie De La Cruz, and Matt McClain. If you had to rank. Those three players, and who's going to have the best season to worst season? Who? How would you rank them? Oh, that's a great. Now that's a good question. Thank wow. you. Wow. <laughs> how about that? That's a good question. I would rank Mac McClain number one. I think Mac McClain. I told someone the other day of all these kids playing in the infield right now. If I had to pick one of them, barring injury, that's a qualifying statement. He's going to have the best big league career of all of them. Mac McClain would be number one for me. Um, I tell you what, that's tough. Two and three is tough. I would almost say Marte two and, and De La Cruz three because De La Cruz struck out 33.8% of the time last year. And until he can show me and everybody else that he can make better contact this season, especially when spring training games get underway, then I, I, I feel comfortable about the way I've, I've ranked him. Uh, Marte did not have that nearly that strikeout ratio. I think he ended the year with what sixteen or seventeen game yeah. hitting streak. Uh, I'd have to rate him two and De La Cruz three. Okay, that's that's good. How um, would you rate him? I, I would I would do Noel V one. I would do Ellie two and Matt McClain three. I actually really? yeah that's yeah, that's good. that's how I, I think Noel V Noel V ended the season very 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 good last year. Yes, think, he did. And I think Ellie. Uh, obviously, he ended the year horribly. So I think there's going to be I, I think there's going to be some consistency there with Noel V. And, and Matt was hurt, so I, I think Matt can be just as good, if not better, than those two. But it's close. It's 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 very close. Yeah. Uh, my next I'd question. Agree with that. My next question, Marty. Uh, I'd like to form, formally invite you to my my high school's actually honoring me um, this coming weekend. What? They're honoring me. Yeah. They're yes. They're honoring me now. You go to trade school. No, I went to a high. I went to a high school, and they're going to honor oh, me. Oh, I thought this it was weekend. woodworking. I thought it was, you know, <laughs> no woodworking. Woodworking I, or I don't work on any wood, Marty. Uh, but no, here's what's going to happen. They're going to honor me. I'm it's gonna sure be big, you don't. It's going to be a big ceremony. I, it's it's going to be it's going to be a big it's going to be a big ceremony, and I wanted to invite you. Will, will you come? I'm going to be in the Caribbean. Okay. All right. Now, I, I should let you know that the ceremony is not actually official. It's just me hopping the fence, and I'm going to spray paint my name on the wall. But it's going to be, I'll tell you what, there's going to be dozens of people there, half of them police officers trying to stop me. But they're not going to be able to, Marty. If you want to come with me, you can maybe help me talk my way out of it. But I'm going to say it one more time real slowly. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be in the Caribbean. Okay. 
All right, that's fine. And I got one last question. Uh, I, I got one last question. The Chiefs. No, it, no, no. Talk about wood this time. If you don't I'm try, I, I, I didn't bring up the wood. Stay away from that word entirely. That Marty was the one who brought up preference. the wood. You I, brought up wood. He was working You're on the right. wood. He no, said woodworking. You did. No, you, you did. don't work any wood. And he I, said, I know that. Marty, I am not working on wood. I want to make that abundantly clear to you. I have never touched a wood. We'll never be it's, near any wood. It'd be a waste of time. Soon. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, now, you said that you're cheering for the uh, the 49ers to win the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah you are. And I, I, find that, I find that funny because the Chiefs, as you know, are underdogs, right? I don't know. I haven't even seen what the point spread was. It is it is minus two right now for San Francisco. They are favored by two points. Right. Okay. So, I so, would argue, so what's your point? I, my point is, Marty, I would argue, and again, when you're an underdog, it lights that fire inside of you. It, 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 one could say it makes you hungry. Do you think that the hungry dog in this case will run just a little bit faster? You know, uh, you could argue was the way you began that sentence. Nobody gives a damn what you argue about. <laughs> but I, in answer to your question, I think that that uh, old wives uh, adage that you ad nauseum have to work into every one of your questions at least once every week. At least once. About that damn hungry dog. Uh, yeah, I, I could see where that would apply in this situation. Although I, I think minus two, being a, you know, being a two-point favorite if you're the 49ers, it's not that big a deal to begin with. I don't think I don't think Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and, and all those folks, uh, Travis Kelsey and all those people are worried about the fact that they're a two-point underdog. Okay, I agree. I agree. And that's all I've got, Marty. I just wanted to say thank you, and I hope you have a great day. And also, I love you, and have a great day. Good luck on that graduation party. Thank you. Thank you. The police will be there. I'm sure All they right. will. All right. I know you got places <laughs> to be and people to see. So you're on your way down to the I mean, golly day. We, we talked about Arizona. We talked about this big trip in, uh, in December. And, and now you drop on us the Caribbean. It's pretty big league. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to some warm weather. I'm tired of this cold weather. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it must yeah. have been cold in Arizona. The two times you uh, been out there. You know, no. It was, <laughs> the, hey, by the way, I will mention this to you because you lived out there for a decade. They average nine inches of rain every year. I didn't okay? think it was that much. Really? Is it that much? Okay. Well, it is. Okay. They had a third of that in 13 hours while yeah. we were there. Yeah. They had yeah. three inches Thursday into Friday morning. And I mean, it rained like I've never seen it rain in Scottsdale, Phoenix, that area. But you were out on that golf course. I played Thursday at the Camel. We play, I played both courses at the Camelback Golf uh, venue uh, yeah. on Thursday and Friday. Played both days. Yeah, that's a high. Had a good time. Highfalutin place, no doubt. Very Ryan nice. Store, it's Ryan right Store there on Lincoln Road. There. Randy Johnson lives out there. I mean, that's that's oh, yeah. that's a highfalutin hood there. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it worked out well for me. Good. All right. Well, safe travels. Yeah. We love you. And uh, love you too, pal. Your, your, grand, your granddaughter is still about um, five, six, six hours six, away. Six hours away from landing in Sydney, Australia. But she was fine getting I on the plane around, last night. I figure sometime between 4.15 and 4.30 our time, she will land in Sydney, Australia. Okay. Yeah. All right. We saw but your you boy talked last, to her last night. night and she, she's good, right? 
Yeah, she's good. And we saw your boy last yeah. night. Saw Lukey. Took him out to dinner right there in Bloomington. So he's doing good. God bless tell you. you. Hey, that's right. That's right. He's All right. quite a young man. Yeah, All right. Yeah. All right. Just ask him. Okay. Good talking with well. you guys. See ya. All right. Take See care. All right. There he is. Hall of Famer, boys and girls. How about that? That was walking that fine line there, Reed. I, fine line. I that's the hardest about. I've laughed. I don't know what you guys were laughing about. I, I had tears <laughs> coming out of my eyes. I was laughing so hard. Marty, Marty's sharp as a tack. He is sharp as a tack. He, he got, he got, there's some zingers in there. He, he got you, got you good. A couple he did. There is no, I want to bring up with him because, you know, it, 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 so, um, they're having, you know, the weatherman at Channel 9, Steve Raleigh? Yes. Yeah. Okay, he's a West Side guy. Yes. I used to work, he is married to Simon Lee's daughter. Cy Lee's long time, yeah. right? Legendary figure in this town who's still with us. Um, anyway, Steve and his wife uh, had a daughter, Maddie, that committed suicide a couple of years ago. Mm. And they had started this Maddie Raleigh uh, Foundation. And so they want to raise money for this. So they are having a roast for my dad at the end of this month down at Music Hall. Oh, yeah. And I mean, some of the people that are coming in there um, to, to be some of the roasters, uh, it, it's going to be an incredible night. And I'm sure tickets are still available, and it goes to a great cause. Um, I think it's called the Maddie M-A-D-I Foundation. I'll, I'll, I'll find that out for sure but when we get to a break, uh, if you're interested in going. But it's going to be a great night. But the point I'm making is, is that, Nobody on the planet can throw out the zingers better than him. There is not a, Marty, yeah, there yeah. is not a human being alive. And trust me when I tell you, because I've listened to it for 60 years. Nobody can throw out the heat more than he can throw out the heat. And he has to do everything he can to tame himself from a language standpoint when he is on off the bench. Because it could get very ugly. And I thought we were right up against we drifting right there we for a second it was it was listen i i'm you've been around him much more than I, I i get to spend 30 minutes with him a week and it impresses me how how sharp he is and he, he can he can sling him he can sling him that's why i listen i love it i i and this ever just brought it up in the chat and i think it's important for everybody, everybody to know when i sit up here and act like a clown it's for the betterment of this program that's right i have to take the strays from marty i have to I, when he's making fun of Wood, I got to start making jokes about it. And, and, he, and he's, like Reed just said, he's sharp. He's sharp. And, and he comes down on me with the people's elbow, and he just drives me into the ground with his insults. And I love it. I lo I'm a better man for it. So thank you, Marty. Well, I, I don't know if I'll go with the – I've seen some of the people that are going to the roast. Uh, I believe some of the people from that radio station I used to work at are going to. Yes, they are. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe I can go. Maybe I can roast him a little bit. That would be fun. That would be fun. Maybe if I, you know what I might do? Maybe before maybe before the show starts, like outside in the parking lot, maybe I'll throw a roast at him then when nobody's watching. I got a phone call yesterday without name dropping, but I, I, I'm going to name drop because because uh, I just like him so much and he's been a good friend for especially over these last few years. So Bob Costas calls me yesterday, mm. and he's like, "Hey, listen," he said, uh, "I can't be there." At the roast, I was invited to the roast. I can't come. I have a prior commitment. He says, but, um, you know, I, I'm doing this thing for the roast. He says, I don't want to get into it with you because I don't want to tip anybody off on what it might be, whatever it might be. But he says, I just want to make sure I understand a couple of things to make sure I've got them right. And knowing Bob Costas, the way he can deliver once he figures out what it is, mm -hmm. oh, 
It's going to bring my dad to his knees. <laughs> to his knees. All right. Um, we got lots to get to today. We never got to the monologue, so let's do that right now. Um, the countdown to the Super Bowl. It is on right now. That's this Sunday, as we know. The AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs, take on the NFC champion, San Francisco 49ers. Beating the Niners would make the Chiefs the first Super Bowl repeat winner in 20 years. Yesterday, a lot of questions for Andy Reid. I don't know where these came from, but a lot yesterday in his press conference about is he going to retire after this game? And Reid reflected back on some long story his dad and mom used to tell him all the time, you know when it's time, it's time. And he says now is not the time. He is ready to go for this Sunday. For the 49ers, meanwhile, did you see some of the comments? You never see this anymore. Or at least you never see it made public anymore. The comments made by their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, he called out his team apparently in their weekly film session after watching last week's championship game against Detroit. And he said his team was disgusting. It was unacceptable that they had guys not even playing hard. And he said, that's something you can't coach. He's called them on the mat. That's calling guys out now. No, no Week of the Super Bowl? No doubt. Biggest game of their lives. That's big-time stuff, man. Those guys, don't, they, they don't exist much anymore. So while you still got them around, let's enjoy them. Meanwhile, Reed's guy, Jim Harbaugh. That is my guy. He's busy he's building his staff in L.A. Yesterday, he named his defensive coordinator. Comes from Michigan, Jesse Mentor. Son of longtime former UC head coach Rick Mentor. Jesse was a D.C. at Michigan the new D.C. with the Chargers. The team is expected to hire Casey, your guy, Greg Roman, as right. its offensive coordinator later today. That's right. I, I thought for sure the Bears would have hired Greg Roman after they did an interview with him, but I guess that fell through. And uh, we'll see what it looks like with Justin Herbert. I, I don't see where the, the scheme matches with that, but maybe they're wanting to be more run committed next year. So well, we'll I, yeah, and, and I would bet on that because Roman worked with Harbaugh when he was at Stanford, went from Stanford to the 49ers with him, and the 49ers finished in the top three, four, five in the league in rushing every year that he was there. College basketball, the Xavier Musketeers 12-10 and 10 on the year. Look for their third straight win tonight as Villanova comes to town. It's a 7 o'clock tip on FS1. The Wildcats are also 12-10. and 10 and ended a four-game losing streak over the weekend with a win over Providence. Speaking of Xavier, I know this happened two days ago. I did not – I must have missed it yesterday, and maybe you guys talked about it. But did you see the news about uh, Jerome Hunter? This was – you know, remember now, this was a kid who most people felt like was coming back and would have been Xavier's best player on their team this year, right? Fremantle got hurt. Hunter was diagnosed with some kind of cardiac ailment. So he had heart surgery, okay? So they had already deemed him out for the year. Plans on coming back next year. Once he cleared some of the cardiac issues, he has started to practice more and more and more and more, and now is actually on the scout team in practice every day. Monday, he ruptures his Achilles tendon. The rehab is expected to be six months. We wish this young man well. That's a rough couple of years. Last night, we talked about it a minute ago, three days after drilling Duke, number three, North Carolina, lost at home to Clemson, 80-76. to 76. But 
Think about this for a minute. The Tigers, the first 59 times they went to play basketball on the campus of the University of North Carolina, 59 consecutive years, they lost every single time. That is almost impossible, but it happened. They got their first win ever there three years ago, and they beat them last night. Now, normally, who cares about that game, right? But this is the kind of win that could hurt UC's chances of getting in the tournament. The Cats and the Tigers have very similar resumes of getting in the big dance, at least where we sit right now, a lot of season left to play. It's a huge win for Clemson. UC has its chance for a marquee win. That's this Saturday. Number five, Houston comes to Fifth Third Arena. And Houston beat Oklahoma State last night. Kentucky ends a two-game losing streak. 109-77 over Vanderbilt. Wildcats shoot 55% from the field, and they hit 15 three-pointers. One other note, by the way, found this really interesting. In the Big 12 last night, Texas Tech, who UC beat over the weekend, lost at Baylor. Now, normally, who cares? No big deal. Everybody loses at Baylor, right? Our good friend Chad Brendel, did you see this little nugget he sent out I today? I did. Now, I find this very interesting, and it may not mean a damn thing, right? But he made the point that every opponent that has played UC in the Big 12 this year, the very next game they play, they're a combined 0 and 9. How about that? Does that mean they're getting beat up by the Cats? I think they're getting beat up, worn down by the Bearcats. I think that's what's happening. Uh, Bearcats, I believe they rank 16th in the country in defense, and I think they are relentless. And they're a t- they got to be at least a top 15 rebounding team in the I country, I think they right? have to be. I, I don't know that number. They're the me, leading but... rebounding team in the Big 12. So, so if you're yeah. number one in the Big 12, you got to be somewhere close to the top nationally. I think, I think when you play UC, it's a war. And there's no unfortunately for for the, if you're in the Big 12, there's no time to recuperate. It's you you got to go. You got to go right now. Mm-hmm. And you see where is these guys down? I love it. Do do you take any victories from from the fact that that happens? Like there any, he goes any, out from, from under the bridge. Out from under the bridge. Yeah, I'll take a moral victory in all of them. What did you, you say? You He's talking good. about moral victory. He's making fun of me. UC leads the league and, and leads the country. In moral <laughs> victories, really, something to feel good about. After you after you play them, they lose. Mouse Cop, Miles Cop's all about moral victories. Hmm. He's a big Xavier guy, though, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yes. Mouse Cop. Yes. He's a big Jerome Hunter guy. Big Jerome Hunter guy. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Um, then there's this. And, and I've tried to get a couple of people that really understand the nuts and bolts of this on the show today. And both of them, neither one can, can join us because it came down the pike so late. But I know everybody saw this. Some of you brought it up in the chat. So you got Fox, ESPN and Warner Brothers Discovery. Warner Brothers is now the parent company of Turner. So that means TNT, you know, True TV, uh, that, that, that has all of that NCAA basketball stuff, right? The three of them announced last night they are launching a streaming platform this fall that will include offerings from at least 15 networks and all four major professional sports leagues, not even to mention all of the college sports. They're saying it's a one-stop shop app where you can view most sports, and most fans are going to be excited by this, 
because, you know, you got to pay for Peacock here and you got to pay for that there and you got to pay for this ESPN Plus there, right? They're putting them all under this platform. And that'll include games from the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, WNBA, NASCAR, college sports, uh, the men's and women's NCAA basketball tournament, golf, tennis, FIFA, World Cup, all this stuff at one place. So, and we've already talked about the baseball signing, so we'll leave them alone, about Altuve and Kershaw. Um, I wish, because we were sitting around here talking about this, everybody, uh, before the show went on today. I wish I understood more. And look, they didn't in the press release give you a lot of information. So it's no surprise I don't know it. No surprise most people don't know it. About exactly how this is going to work. Because, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, I have in our house, for a long time we had direct TV. Right. Right. We got rid of that. Uh, YouTube is cheaper, and they had everything we, we really wanted to see. Correct. Okay? And right. it had less issues than, than a satellite and, and, and bad weather blowing a thing out. Um, but, but, you know, I'm sitting here wondering, you know, what is that going to look like? So let's just say, let's just compare it to, um, to Netflix. Okay? Because right. it's just going to have an app. It's going to have a name. You download it. You pay for it. Whatever that means. Does that mean from now on? That uh, if I want to watch, let's just say, since ESPN's part of this, let's say that, or say FS1, let's use tonight, for example. Uh, Xavier playing against Villanova that's on FS1. Right. Yep. Okay. Is the only way I'm going to be able to watch that game is to buy that app? No. Or would no. you still be able to watch, would FS1 still be on YouTube? It would still, they would still have to honor those contracts that they have with their cable company. So, yeah, it will be on YouTube. It will be on whatever cable you have that, that uh, has FS1 on it. But you could also see it via um, this, new, uh, this new app. Now, the interesting thing is what happens after... What happens after those deals go kaput, right? What happens if, if you know, FS1, Fox has a deal with YouTube TV that expires in 2026? It used to be that YouTube TV could gouge these people. Like, listen, uh, like, uh, this, is, this is the price to, to be whatever. Now they can go, hey, we've got our own platform. We don't need to be on YouTube TV anymore. And in, you know, in three, four years, you might see these. The, the only place to get this is on this media app. But for the time being, not much will change other than that you could go to this one-stop shop to, uh, to see all of this sports content. It will be interesting to see Fox and ESPN under the same roof, though. Well, yeah, it's third, third, third. That's the ownership on this thing. And these are people who are very bitter rivals, especially ESPN and Fox. I mean, I don't know how so much about, you know, the, the, the other group, but um, there has been a serious rivalry, obviously, between those two companies uh, for rights and going after rights and all this kind of thing for all the sports across the board, including the college stuff. But, you know, I, I, I think collectively they all realize that as the rights fees continue to just explode i mean the rights to the nfl you're talking billions of dollars that that fox is paying that nbc is paying that cbs is paying right and now all of a sudden you started to see recently whether it's with uh the mls and here comes apple uh the one game a week on amazon for the nfl uh, whatever it may be, and, and, and Netflix has flirted around with some of this stuff. They have the money because of these subscription fees just pouring in there, pouring in. 
And so now all of a sudden, these three guys, I think it's absolutely brilliant what they're doing. Is, could we see the, the government step in and say this can't happen? Because if you think about it, if, if they put all of sports media under one umbrella, that's, that's a monopoly. We saw this exact same thing. Disney bought Fox a couple years ago. Disney bought the, the rights to, they wanted to buy all of Fox. But the government said, you can't, you can't take Fox Sports, you can't take Fox News, because then you'll have a monopoly over everything. You can have all their IPs, all their shows, like Fox, all their you know, cable television shows and all that stuff, all their uh, movie properties and everything like that. But you cannot have sports and news. So I wonder if the government might step in and say, hey, this is now slowly becoming a monopoly. I don't know. I don't understand how any of it works. In my, we, were, we were having a talk about this at, at my house the other day. My dad was like, yeah, so are we going to keep paying for cable? What's, what's the plan here? And I don't, know what to, I don't know what to say anymore because at some point uh, I would like all of these things to be at least sports. Because if we're going to be honest, if you have cable and maybe people, people have it and they're not sports people. But the only reason my family has cable is because of sports. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do this now – then I guess we just do that. I, but I. But again, it's so confusing to me because there's so many other things. Like it, it, the. So we'll still have Amazon football on Thursdays. Uh, you'll still. So Peacock will be under these. This new thing or no? I don't like know if Peacock, it, I don't, Peacock I don't, will not be under. I was going to say no, be. Okay. No, so no, no, none NBC. of the none of the stuff on CBS or NBC would fall under this umbrella. It is primarily what we know as Turner. So you got a lot of basketball, NBA especially yep, there, TBS, TBS, True TV when they get to the yep. tournament. Um, all the stuff that ESPN has, whether it's ESPNU, ESPN Plus, ESPN2, ESPN News. ABC. You've got ABC under there. You've got Fox. You've got not Fox News. Uh, they're, they're not a part of any of this. Uh, they're in a whole different category altogether along with the uh, – but, but, but also under this thing is Big Ten Network, FS1, FS2. So right now – and I mean, hell, it's, it's so – daunting and confusing all of this stuff started nick kirby points this out and i was thinking the same thing you know all of this has been going on for a number of years where people wanted the idea of a la carte right they wanted to get rid of their cable entirety because they're only watching maybe seven channels to back up what you're saying right right they're tired of cable gouging them that's right right. and so they're saying okay um you know i want to be able to pick station one 5, 7, 11, 17, 27, and I just want to pay for those. We're getting closer and closer to that, and, and it's going to be interesting to see whether that is something at the end of the day is really good for the consumer. Well, it's, it's funny because, yeah, we, we started doing the a la carte thing, right? You, you pay for these certain, you know, I just want to pay for Peacock. That's all the NBC stuff. Or I just want to pay for, for these channels and these channels. And... They've decided, hey, why not put all the stuff a la carte? Let's put it all together. And it feels like we've just gone in one big circle back to cable yep. just now streaming. As I, I will admit, the, the the competitor in me, like the, the competitiveness of me, likes that this is now going to basically cable, but it's streaming. Because for years, I've been on YouTube TV for seven years now. Seven, six, seven years I've been I've been using YouTube TV. And since I've had it, people that have cable have sat in their ivory towers and going, oh, you guys are 30 seconds behind us. <laughs> you streamers, you big dummies. Why are you streaming? We got cable. We're better than you. 
And we're like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever. And now it's just coming all back down. It's now all, now you got to right stream back. everything. Now you got to stream everything. It's nonsense. It's it, This is all nonsense. I, I, I wish it was simpler, if I'm going to be honest. But doesn't uh, this simplify it, though? I mean, really? It doesn't, though, because if, we, if we're still doing sports on Amazon and, and Peacock and, and Paramount Plus. Yeah, good point, good point. If you're doing it all on, on everything there, it still doesn't it still doesn't change anything. If you, if you, if the only way to change is to have it literally all of them. I want CBS, I want NBC, I want Fox, I want everything on the same platform, on the same streaming device. I'll pay 25 a month and we'll call it cable. It's the same exact thing. That's what I would want. Because if you do this, I imagine this will be $20 a month. You're adding on $10, $11 a month for Peacock. 12 if you want the no ads or whatever that is. Amazon's an additional whatever, $11, $20. I don't know how much Amazon is. But yeah, it's it's eventually it just gets tired, and, and this and this seems tired. So maybe it will maybe it will simplify it for a lot of people. Uh, but for me, I guess the answer is just to keep the cable because I'll still need NBC, I'll still need CBS. Nothing will change in the short time. No, like until these until these media rights, until um, their deals change, nothing's going to change significantly. Other than the people that that do do the a la carte things, now it's kind of become all centralized for for all those things. So. That has changed, but like if it, it's still gonna be on cable for for the time being, at least I I assume. Yeah, I assume too. But I I mean there 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 are a lot of details and a lot of questions that still need to be answered that have not been. I mean this was just a a, a, a statement. It was a release made by these three companies at the same time. They had quotes from each of the heads of the different networks, and so you know the the real nitty gritty in all this we're gonna learn how this is going to play out probably in the next 72 hours. And even some of that is going to be theoretical. I mean, you know, this might happen, that might happen. We got this deal that runs out, another deal that runs out in that time frame. three years here, four years there, nine years there. You, there's so many things at play here. But, um, but theoretically, it sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a good idea. We'll see until we know the price tag. I mean, you just threw out 20. I'm willing to bet, is ESPN plus 12 bucks a month? Yeah, it's about that. All right, if it's 12, I can promise you this is at least double or triple that. Well, like yeah. because you're getting you're getting more than than 10 times really the amount of uh, of content. 100%. So, I mean, this ain't going to be cheap. Well, it's going to be cheaper than what you're doing right at this current moment, which is all the all, like you're getting Having all those places yet. together. For probably a cheaper price than than individualized, right? You're getting you're basically getting a value deal here on all these things. As I said, it's kind of funny that we've circled back to basically what cable is. Like we've we've That's gone right. in a, we've gone in a full loop. Now we're on back. I am interested to see if if there is some uh, some hearings or like some um, gripe that the U.S. government has with this possibly being a monopoly because. The, what what will happen is is if they let it go through, and this is the one spot that you can watch all of your sports at some point, right? As I've said, nothing's going to change. They're still going to send it through cable, all that stuff. If they if they get together and power together, then they can act as a monopoly and they can charge whatever the heck they want because where else the heck are you going to watch it, right? Yeah. They're the only ones that have it. So yeah. I wonder if the government will step in and say, all right, you can't do this. You guys got to com be competing against one another. The question is, would Spectrum be able to get it in this studio? That's the question. Zero chance. Zero point zero chance. <laughs> mm. All right, let's take a break. We got lots to get to today. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the Xavier game coming up tonight. Yeah.
Um, and a few other topics kind of on the table. I know you guys uh, got into yesterday a little bit about this Dartmouth thing and about their players are now, you know, and then Rick Patino's subsequent. I mean, Patino's just letting it all out there. Yeah. You can like the He's guy, hate the guy. I don't care. It makes no difference to me. I don't have an opinion on the guy one way or the other, except for he's a hell of a coach. Uh, and the team that ought to hire him is Ohio State. Um, but um, he, he's talking about salary caps in college basketball. Salary caps. Maybe he's on to something. We'll talk about that. Casey, take it away, young man. Here we go. I got gotcha. you. The Encore Technologies report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data centered world with the suite of services from mobile computing, desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency and pro duct activity. Productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And now I got to tell you about this lovely bottle of water right here. Pawnee water. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF, swish it down with some Pawnee water, and get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. Also, you are liking the show. If you're enjoying the stream, give us a like button. Hit, hit, hit it. Hit were it you, for me. Were you asking or were you telling them they need to like the, like the stream? If, if you're enjoying it, don't forget to hit the like button. I thought you were being an alpha there. Like, like the stream. Thought, I, thought, I, mean, I thought you were being an alpha. Alpha. I mean, they would. the alpha. I mean, they would be alphas if they hit the like button. Mm. That's true. Mm. Alpha mindset is when you hit the like button on our stream. Alpha brain. What's that stuff that they – what is that? Uh, Joe Rogan sells alpha brain or whatever? Like Does that he? sounds like a scam. That is a scam. Yeah. Is that real? Is he selling that? Yeah. And people bought – It makes it? you smarter. Okay. Pill that makes you smarter. That's good. As you know, those those Those, those exist. Those and exist. They work. <laughs> those exist and they work great. I've had a it's couple of them. That's true. <laughs> Uh, outside of that, we got what do we got? Anything else to promote here today? Nope. We have box lunch coming up after the yeah the box show. yeah uh, box lunch. We're gonna play a game in box lunch. So yep. we've uh, kind of flying by the seat of our pants this week, but yeah, we'll have uh, more member stuff tomorrow. You have the the members tennis match coming out early next week. Um, obviously, the cats don't play this week, so there's no chatterbox cats. They play this weekend. Um, but yeah, pretty much that that settles all the things that we got. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, tune tune in to Chatterbox Bets. Shout out to Casey. Casey, you know, round of applause for Casey here. We're gonna tell a little story about Casey's gambling. Is Damn we, it. he took he took my bit, my my pick. Yeah. Indiana Hoosiers plus five and a half. Why are you saying damn it? Because I like I don't have a lot for box lunch, and that was like the whole thing. That was gonna be the whole box lunch. Oh well, we'll let the members see it. All right, we'll we'll tease it. Casey had a big win gambling <laughs> last night. Casey, any thoughts? Casey also uh, saw a bullet yesterday. Yeah, that, that, that is uh, something I did want to bring up maybe on Box Lunch. But since we are going to be talking about the gambling thing, I'm going to bring up what I saw yesterday in our parking lot, which was just five bullets not fired. What? Some of them fired just laying on the ground in our parking lot. Across the street? Yeah, where we park. There's just bullets littered everywhere, Tom. Shells? Yeah. Some Tom. not fired and some fired. 
Tom, here's the thing about Hamilton. Elliot, what the hell is going on? Guys, this is serious we, stuff, man. I mean, we're about, talking about, you know, basketball. I mean, now we're talking about life. Here's life the thing about, about live ammunition being on the streets here in Hamilton. <laughs> This city has a few nicknames. The city of Sculpture, yep. Little Chicago. Yep. One thing that I like to call it, and really people that are from here in Hamilton like to call it, is Constitution City. And the reason they say this is because when they gave us the Bill of Rights, when they gave sure. us our first 10 rights as citizens of America, yes. the second one was the right to bear arms. That's exactly right. And we practice and that keep right it that way. here regularly. Right. In the city that is known as Hamilton, we free speech, right to bear arms. Don't yep. even if, if listen. If you're a member of the army, don't even try to come in my house. I'll practice the Third Amendment too. Uh, you will not be able to be quartered in my house. Absolutely not. That's good so, reference. So we'll, we'll do them all. We got all the Bill of Rights, all the amendments. We we we. This is Constitution City. That's Are right. They, were they still out there this morning, Casey? Uh, I did not check. Or did somebody clean up the crime scene? I, I need to go back out there and check. Cause we'll do, I, we'll I, I picked some of them up and like put them on the, the, the sidewalk so I could take a picture yeah. of them. So I wouldn't just be, you know, so you guys would believe me that there's just ammo littered everywhere well, don't out touch there, it. but don't touch it because that's definitely an active crime. Scene. I mean, we're right. For those <laughs> of you that don't know that have not been to Hamilton, many of you have, and you know, the layout. I mean, it's really nice right here in this little neighborhood we're in and, uh, right at the start of downtown hamilton this is there's 17 neighborhoods in hamilton this is known as the central business district okay we're right in it and so you know every morning you pull in here there are people that are hard working going to work every single day okay. number of buildings in and around including this building um look you go to a concert their their bulletin rain down from the sky somebody gets hit <laughs> stuff happens but when you're talking about you know coming into work every day it's a different story. In the parking lot where you park your car. I don't even understand how it happens, Tom. And I guess this is just one of those things where you got to bring an umbrella of, of, of Kevlar because that's the only <laughs> way you're going to survive in this town. Because you never know when a bullet's going to drop on you next. It and is, I guess that's what we do here. It's, it is so disrespectful to the Constitution that your guy, James Madison, wrote that, <laughs> that you guys are looking down upon a city that likes to practice the Second Amendment. I'm, I I'm am just all Hamilton. in on the Second Amendment. That's all I'm saying. What about what about gunfire left and right whenever you walk down the street, Tom? You like that? It says the uh, right maybe to not that arms. so much. I think, the, the right I, I, I think there was there perhaps was a duel in our parking lot. A good old-fashioned duel. Aaron Burr versus a gang Alexander war. Hamilton? That's right, exactly. Turf war. I think it was exactly that. And I think some of them, I, maybe a body was taken away from the scene. I don't know what happened. This, um, the statue in the middle of High Street isn't very accurate to what Alexander Hamilton looked like in that duel. more of him on his back. That's right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Swaggy Plague wants to know if Lawnmower Man has to stay strapped. <laughs> if, if, listen, if, in, in all honesty, if there, if, how, if there was betting odds on whether <laughs> Lawnmower Man stays strapped, they'd be minus 500 because I guarantee that guy's got some arms. No doubt about it. Nobody's taking his, nobody's no taking his lawnmower. But we are all for the Second Amendment around here. So, look, if people got to load their guns or unload their guns out in the parking lot across the street, so be it. As long as they're not hurting anybody, not bothering anybody, that's okay. No problem. There, there is uh, – I lived – 
about, I lived on Main Street, which is right across the river, literally not even a mile away from here. And for as much as I love Hamilton, when I look back at my time living there, my car got broken into about four times. One time somebody stole our boss's Sean's car and actually dropped it off in the parking lot in which I live, which it looks terribly suspicious for, for a guy it named Rita Roo. It <laughs> looks, does. <laughs> looks terribly suspicious for me. And, and the other time was one time uh, we had this back patio and it had a gate and there was this homeless man that was very drunk and he showed up and we're just hanging out in the backyard and he just opens up the gate and there's a walkway up to my apartment. He opens up the gate and I'm sitting in the backyard grilling food and he starts walking up the stairs to go like there's literally the stairs only go to the door of my apartment and I'm watching this guy and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And he just starts meandering up there. And I said, hey, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to go home. I was like, you don't live there? And he goes, oh, I don't? Okay. And he walks out of the gate and never saw him okay. again. All right. He found his way home. He found his way home. He found his way home. All right. Or he didn't. Or, or he didn't. That's okay. Probably That's didn't. all right. We certainly hope and pray he did. Um, all right. Let's start with uh, Xavier basketball tonight. Okay. Now, I was looking up some of the, and I brought up the whole Clemson thing. And, and see, this is the same thing for teams like Xavier. Okay. There are a whole host of those teams in, say, like the net rankings or the Ken Palm, right? Where yeah. we all know about the automatic bids for the tournament. And then you have X number of at large bids that go out if you're not yeah. your conference champion or conference tournament champion. And most people feel like the Big 12 will undeniably, unquestionably, get as many as nine teams in the NCAA tournament, if not more than that. And I think everybody would agree on paper that all nine of those, whoever it is you choose, all of them are NCAA-worthy teams. I mean, they've had big wins. You know, UC hasn't had a loss in the, in the conference this year by more than five points. I think a lot of us were wondering when they joined this league, we saw what happened in football. Mm -hmm. A lot of us wondered when we joined this league, oh, man, this is going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. They're four and five, um, and they have not lost a single game, including to Oklahoma or Texas or at Kansas. They've not lost a single game by more than five points. But, uh, you know, you fall in these quad one wins, did you have some really bad losses in the whole West Virginia thing here recently? As we're getting now to the last five weeks of the regular season, four weeks of the regular season, you know, teams like Clemson are the ones, yeah, I mean, your team has to keep on winning. You see Xavier to have any hope, you got to keep on winning. And you need that marquee win, okay, or two or three. But when teams like Clemson, and there are a lot of Clemsons and Cincinnati's and Xavier's out there, yeah. You're not rooting for these upsets to happen, like them beating North Carolina last night. No. No. You're, you're try well, I, I was just going to say, uh, again, you don't want to scoreboard watch exactly yet. I, I, you see in pretty much in anybody that's on the bubble, near the bubble, around the bubble, still controls their own destiny. Correct. But, but saying that, Tom is right. Any bubble team that wins is bad for you, so – yeah, I, I think if, if you take care of business, if Xavier takes care of business tonight against Providence, they keep their hopes alive, and, and any bubble team that wins is, is not on their concern. It's, it's all in the rearview mirror, uh, not up to them yet. Play Villanova. But, yeah, they uh, – What did I say? Providence. Sorry, Villanova. Yeah, Villanova just lost to Providence. These are two teams that if you look at <laughs> – 
Like this is a game I think we all know we're getting to the point of the year where Xavier just needs to keep winning. They, yep. they have they have a, a win loss that they have to get to. I've I've seen that if you know if they get to eighteen wins and then win a game in the Big East, that that that's a pretty good resume. As long as you you get one of those marquee games against a Creighton, against a Marquette, they play Marquette twice. But you're you're right. I mean, I'm I'm not worried about the 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 scoreboard watch and I'm not worried about the other bubble teams because like Elliot said like we know with a month left in the season and when you play in a big conference like the Big East you can still take care I mean if, if Xavier wins out they're they're not only looking at being in the tournament they're looking at getting a pretty nice seed they're going to be ranked all those nice things that come along with a, a great winning streak so you, you don't worry about the the periphery just quite yet but this is a game that, that Xavier needs to win you're at home you're playing a Villanova team that you you had a chance to beat last time you had two um, looks at the basket on a buzzer beater Des Claude couldn't finish um, that was in Philadelphia you Vill Villanova though they got a win over the last weekend what, on a four-game lose streak, right? Yep. Losing streaks. So they've lost four out of their last five. They're not playing their best basketball. Xavier takes pride in playing at home. Um, they, this is kind of the team that Xavier can't get over the hump on because of Villanova when, when Jay Wright was there. Where it was so, I mean, they were the best team in the country, won a couple of national championships. And even, even in the years after that, it, it's it's not been it's it's not been very easy for, for Xavier to beat Villanova, but these are games that you have to win. You gotta win at home. You got to win at home if you want to be a serious bubble team. If you want to make the tournament, um, I think I'm looking at it right now. Villanova's 45th in the net ranking. Um, they're Xavier's 40, 47th, 48th right now. So this isn't a quad one game. This is a quad two game. But it's it, it's as simple as that. These are games you have to win. You got to win the games you're supposed to win, and they're favored by three and a half points. You know, I, I've said many times on the show before. I have tremendous respect for anybody who puts in the very hard work, uh, whether it's you know macro, a lot of different things, or just really zeroes in on one thing. And in this case, that's Joe Lenardi and Bracketology on ESPN. Yeah. I mean, he works his tail off, mm -hmm. and he seems like a good dude. I don't know. He might be the greatest jerk in the world. I have no idea. <laughs> but he comes across on television as being a really likable guy. Yeah. Okay. And whether you agree with his stuff or don't agree. Yeah. Yeah, look, that's your choice. But, you know, what has started to happen here, and I find it so interesting because I am guilty of this, we are guilty of this on this show, of talking how great the Big 12 is, how great the Big East is. Now, due to where we are geographically, I don't think, and we talk about how great the Big 10 is. The Big 10 may not have that team after Purdue that you look at as like a juggernaut, but I know one thing, you don't want to play most of those teams on any given night. You just don't want to play them. You don't want to play Wisconsin. You, you know, there are some good teams in that league. Maybe not great, but good. But here's what I'm getting at. Okay, as this season has gone on, Lenardi in his latest bracketology update, which was yesterday, he has the Mountain West Conference getting five teams in the NCAA tournament, the Mountain West. That's more than the Pac-12 and the West Coast Conference combined. Okay? You're also seeing the SEC all of a sudden. Teams moving way up. So, like, for example, if you're getting down to your final, let's say, 16 teams are, that are going to get in, whether it's the ones that are going to play um, in Dayton, uh, to start the tournament, or the ones that get the that will play in the official opening round, the next go round. Yesterday, he had the last four buys: Ole Miss, 
Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Virginia's playing well, playing well lately. The last four in, meaning they'll play in Dayton against a 16 seed, technically. You have Florida, Butler, Washington State, and Seton Hall. So of that eight, you have one, two, three, four teams from the Southeastern Conference. You have two from the Big East, one the ACC, and one from the Pac-12, as we know it today. They won't be Washington State in the Pac-12 starting next year. But then when you start looking at the first four out, St. John's, Big East, Cincinnati, Big 12, Colorado, there, the Wake Forest, ACC, you've got Villanova in that discussion, Providence in that discussion. I'm just wondering, you know, I mean, Texas, a school like Texas, they're nowhere in here. Not even on that fringe. No. I mean, do people honestly believe that playing in the SEC compared to the Big 12 or the SEC, or I mean, or, or the Big 12 uh, or Big East compared to the Mountain West Conference? The, the thing about the Mountain West, and, and Paul, if you remember this last year, Paul was, was very high on the Mountain West. They're, they're slowly becoming a very, very good basketball conference. And two years ago, I think four teams from the Mountain West made the tournament. I don't think a single one of those teams got a win. Last year, I believe four teams make the tournament. And I believe maybe even five. Out of those teams, only one won a, won a tournament game. But that one team, of course, was San Diego State that made it all the way to the final four. Did they make it to the championship, championship game? Yeah, they yes. made it to the championship yep. game. Yep. So, they made it, so they made it all the way there. Uh, the, the Mountain West is, is certainly really good. I, I, I talk a lot about um, all these conferences. And, and, and you talked about the Big Ten. The Big Ten, when it comes to this tournament stuff, have, for years have gotten seven, eight teams in the tournament. And every year the Big Ten doesn't do anything You're in the right. tournament. Like, the best teams, really the only team that, that has, has had a lot of success in the tournament is Michigan State, and then there was those years where Michigan made the Final Four a couple of times. Yep. Other than that, Purdue, we always talk about how good Purdue is. They haven't done anything in the tournament. Illinois, that one year where they were really good, didn't do anything in the tournament. Yep. Even teams like Ohio State that, that were like two yep. seeds, three seeds, they don't do a whole lot. So the Big Ten, I'm, I'm kind of wishy-washy on. The Big 12 is undoubtedly the best conference in college basketball Tom but I think that there is some of uh we see this in football you know you and I have gone gone at it a few times talking about the SEC and, and, and you make the point with that and I think it's valid that teams get ranked because they're in the SEC not because of the team they are but because of the the panache that comes with playing in the Southeastern Conference I think that happens in the Big 12 with basketball I think if a team like, uh, we'll take a team like Texas, if a team like Seton Hall has the exact same resume as Texas, Texas will get ranked, Seton Hall will not. And I don't think anything more than that. It's just the because the conference you play, I, once again, I think the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball, but I think there is some, um, some favoring done for a big name and those big brands. Um, we did it yesterday with UC. UC uh... – uh, UC and Kentucky have pretty much the same resume yeah, as right. Tom. And, and obviously, Kentucky is ranked. They're supposed to be a, a four like, or five seed. Yeah, top um, 10 in the country. UC has more ranked wins than them. They have a better defensive rating than them. 
uh, everything's similar. It's just Kentucky's supposed to be a bona fide tournament team, and UC's barely going to get in. Right. That's the difference, and, and that just goes to Reed's point that uh, you know the Blue Bloods or or teams that play in Conference X, being the Big Twelve, maybe uh, they are certainly given advantages that other teams, other schools are not given. And I think that's uh, that's a fundamental problem with probably college sports in general is because there are biases. There are biases in college football, no doubt, when Herb Street and the committee rate those teams uh, early on. And it's just like, you don't know what we, – we don't even know what we're looking at yet. You have to play the entire season. And that's, when, and, that's, and that's when all this will decide itself. And that's why college basketball, in my opinion, in my opinion is better than college football, is because all these issues towards the end of the season, by the last they game of the season, right. they all solve themselves. Every single problem we're seeing right now will solve themselves. You see, could they be in right now? 100%. Could they be out? Sure. But if you if, if you see as nine games left, you go seven and two, you go five and four, and the remaining nine, they're in. No no question about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't agree with you on that. I mean, I I've watched their games. UC is I mean, it's not even debatable. They're one of the best 64, 68 teams in the not even I mean, not even I don't even think anybody would disagree with that. They are. No school has had more NCAA tournament success outside of winning the whole shooting match, which they haven't done yet, with all the talent known to man, is Gonzaga. I mean, for the last 20 years, They're on the bubble. they have been the titan of college basketball. You see, for a team, again, that has not won it. it but I mean, they're number one, they're number right? two, they're yeah. number, I mean, every year. They're Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, championship games, whatever it might be. They're kicking everybody's tail until the big one. But you look at this team this year. Now, right now, they are in the tournament. And this is getting when you're talking about blue bloods and this kind of thing, right? Yep. Gonzaga, I mean, if you're just talking about name recognition, their best win this year was UCLA. And they're not any good. Correct. Syracuse, they're not any good. Okay. They did beat San Diego, but that's not San Diego State, okay? They have lost every good team that they have played this year. Purdue got drilled by double digits. Washington, who, eh, all right, you know, they lost to them. They lose to UConn by double digits, right? Now, that's the number one team in the country. They lost to San Diego State, played the national championship game last year by double figures, 14 games. They play Santa Clara, who I guess I'm told is pretty good. And they play St. Mary's, who, again, I guess is, I'm told is pretty good. Both St. Mary's and um, Santa Clara are in the NCAA tournament according to this bracketology. I mean, are all three of them, including Gonzaga. What in the world has Gonzaga done compared to UC? Yeah. And, I, and I'm not ignoring X here, but X doesn't have that win. Correct. Okay. UC's beaten some top 25 schools, whether you think they're in the top 25 or not. Okay. But, I mean, are you kidding me? S Gonzaga at this Santa very moment. Santa Clara? Gonzaga's played five quad one games. Their record in those five quad one games, 0-5. Oh 0-5. Cincinnati, they've played seven quad one games. They at least have two wins. Not a, not a great quad not one great. record. But they're 2-5 and five in those quad With one games. With a chance for a lot more. Correct. Like every every road game in the Big Twelve is a quad one, um, and then most home games are going to be quad ones. 
Um, yeah, I, I asked the question. And I know that when you look at these tournaments, they, they try to make it as objective as possible, right? They try to go by quad ones, quad twos, what's your, what's your net ranking, all those things. Um, but when you, when you talk about perception and stuff like this, obviously you see it has a pretty, has a pretty prominent basketball brand. I mean, it's not to the same level as a Gonzaga. It's not to, it used to, it used to be bigger, but I wonder, I asked the question if, if some of the bias of UC hasn't had success recently, right? They haven't been to the Certainly. tournament since what, 2018, 2019, yep. something like that. And even, even when they get in, it's not, it hasn't exactly been a, a success story. Right. right. I mean, they've been to one sweet 16 in 20 plus years. So like, I'm, I'm just saying as of late, they haven't been a tournament team. So I wonder if they're, they're fighting that hill, climbing that hill of trying to, to prove to them, trying to prove to the country, Hey, Hey, UC basketball is back. We're not just competing in these games. We we deserve to be a tournament team. I wonder if they're they're uphill battling that too. They might be. They might, I mean, I'm just sitting here going through St. Mary's. Now that's a team that Xavier beat earlier that's this Xavier's year best by win, yeah. by 17 points. That's way back in in December. Now they're on a big long winning streak right now. But look who against Pacific. They did beat Gonzaga, Santa Clara, Loyola Marymount, Pacific, San Francisco, Portland. San Diego, Kent State, they lost to something called Missouri State. <laughs> and this is a team that right now, according to some, is ahead of UC or Xavier or others, Texas. Um, St. Saint, Saint Mary's has played the same amount of quad one games as UC. They're four and three. UC's two and five. So, like, when, when it comes to these big games, according to the metrics that they use when it comes to the net stuff... Like St. Mary's has has been more than adequate. There. Well, but 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 again, it's it, I I hear what you're saying because they're road games, but it's road games against who, is what I'm saying. Okay, they can be a that quad is a good, one. That is a fair road. point. I mean, because look look, they lost to Weber State. They lost by 25 against San Diego State. They lost by 17 to Xavier. They get blown out of the gym by Boise State. So I guess some of these games, the Santa Claras of the world, whoever it might be, uh, you know, they go on the road. It's quad one, San Diego, you know, okay, fine. But, you know, that's even where those quad one things is. They're going to put them up on the screen when they're talking about tournament right. resume, right? But they never tell you, oh, and the quad one wins were at Portland, San Diego, and San Francisco, it, as opposed to... You know, fill in the blank. TCU, Houston, whatever. That That's actually a fair point because they try to make this as objective as possible, right? They try to go, hey, if you play a team at home that's 30 or better, that's a quad one win in the net ranking. And if you go on the road and it's 75 or better, that's a quad one ranking. But as we know, Tom, a road game at Santa Clara isn't the same no. atmosphere no. as a road game at Fog Island Fieldhouse. No. Right. So that's why you can make it. You can try to make it as objective as possible. There's always going to be those those things in it. Going going winning on the road in the Big Twelve is not the same as winning on the road in the WCC. Winning on the road in the Big Twelve is not the same as winning on the road in the Mountain West Conference. That is absolutely true. And 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 you maybe you'll just never solve those problems, right? You'll just never be able to. to no, you're not. Make it as objective as possible. In, in degree of difficulty and strength of schedule. That's where, I mean, how do, they, how do they determine, help me here, 
How do they determine what what, what is technically a quad? In okay, other so words, just, okay, okay. Why would how- why would why would winning at St. Mary's, okay, be as be as even though it's technically quad one, why would that be anywhere close to as impressive? as winning at, well, don't say Kansas, because they're a top five team. Let's take them out of the mix. Okay. But let's say let's say a, a win at TCU or a win at Oklahoma. Yeah. UC has those games on the road coming up. So I just quad one, is it goes by your net ranking, um, which you can find on you know NCAA net ranking. And it is if you are playing a home game against any team that is 30 or better, that's a quad one game. If you're playing a road game against anybody that's 75 or better, that's a quad one game. So, like I said, every road game in the Big 12 is a quad one. Mm -hmm. That's not the same. So that's where the advantage of playing in the Big 12 comes out. Yeah, it's a tougher road game because the atmosphere is a little tougher. Um, There's going to be more fans. The the arenas are bigger. All those things. Um, But... You get more opportunities. You get more cracks at it. Yes, you do. Because every single road game is essentially a quad one game. Maybe like Oklahoma State isn't a quad one game. There's like three of them, four yeah. of them. Okay. So, but most home games, almost all uh, away games, there there are quad ones. So that's sim- that's the simple math. But as we just alluded to, they're not all created equal. A road game going to uh, you know p- playing at as I mentioned, Fog Allen Fieldhouse, toughest place to play in the country, isn't the same as playing a road game at Santa Clara, although they are both technically quad one wins. So True. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Which gets us to, by the way, I, you know, I, I want to shift gears real quick because I know you guys covered it a lot yesterday. So if you covered it a lot, just tell me, and we don't have to do this uh, again, about the whole thing at Dartmouth. We, ta- we talked about it a little bit. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but we, we, I, I think it's, it would be fun to hear your thoughts well, on it. So you got the National Labor Relations Board, I believe is who came Correct. down with this. Correct. Okay, So, you know, basically what their job is, is to make peace uh, between companies, corporations, and, um, and employees, whether they be unionized employees, whatever, primarily, yes. And they can be a mediator at times like this, so on and so forth. That's their job, all right, is to have peace. And everybody get along and no strikes and no lockouts and all the rest of this kind of thing. Okay, they've even got involved in the baseball work stoppage before mm-hmm. to try and navigate through those waters. Okay, so there was a time, and let's take out of this mix just for the sake of argument. Let's take out of this mix were some teams paying players in college athletics when they weren't supposed to be paying them. Okay, we knew it went on. It still goes on. Okay, legal or not legal. And, but, but let's take that part of it out for a second. It used to be that being given a four-year scholarship, or actually you get five years to play four, okay? A school will honor and give you a full scholarship. Let's use men's basketball as the example, okay? However many scholarships they have, 15. 15 dudes are getting their entire college education paid for, their room and board paid for They even got a stipend. That was legal, even before NIL and all this kind of thing. They would get some living expenses money because there would be some kids who would come from really rough backgrounds, very impoverished backgrounds that that couldn't even go on a date in college. And they're just like, you know, we can't have this going on here. I mean, we we, got to be able to give these kids something to be able to do. And so they, they figured out a way to make it happen. Well, now we have had this explosion 
after I think Northwestern was the original school that filed this first lawsuit, which basically has led to NIL as we know it now. Correct. Okay, where the courts have said, all right, you got to pay these guys. Okay. Now, there are no ground rules, really, at the end of the day for all of this. I mean, they can say they are, but we've already learned, and, and, and Patino, we'll get back to him in a second, but he had made the point as recently as this past weekend after the game against UConn that between the transfer portal, the NIL, we've seen Nick Saban walk away from the sport. We've heard Kirk Ferentz at Iowa given serious consideration about walking away from the sport. Jim Harbaugh is leaving to go to the NFL. And a big reason why, and according to Patino, is because it's the wild, wild west out there in college sports. There really is no governing body because every time the NCAA tries to do something, even as, as something like a two-time transfer, which UC was affected by that this year. Um, they'll issue a decision, and then the next thing you know, the attorney general in Ohio is filing a lawsuit against the NCAA to have the players at one of his schools in the state, Bandago, and then later Jameel Reynolds, reinstated. Well, the same thing has just recently happened with attorney generals in Tennessee and Virginia. Similar kind of stuff. All right, now when you get the Labor Relations Board involved, now you are talking about something that falls under a totally different set of circumstances. Primarily the one being this. Dartmouth players are now considered employees. Okay, and for a university, Dartmouth is not a public university. It's a private school. But they are employees now, as rendered by the National Rela uh, La uh, Labor Relations Board. So now all of a sudden, with that being true in this scenario, now the players have a right to negotiate how much they work. There are rules in the NCAA where you can be at Ohio State football, you can be at Kentucky basketball, you can be wherever. There are rules that say you can only have these kids practice or work X number of hours a week. And it makes the coaches crazy. But these same coaches are going crazy about the players getting paid. So we've gone in really about three years, four years, to a scholarship for college, which most Americans have a very hard time affording, taking loans to pay for college, kids taking loans to pay for college. We have gone from that being more than enough to players getting paid to the possibility of recruiting players and offering them money to come play for you to now the possibility of the kids being able to dictate work conditions. That's coming a long way, brother, in a short amount of time. It is. And, and listen, I, there's going to be a lot of people out there that um, lament the change that is happening to, to college athletics. And there is serious concerns about um, amateur status. Like, I mean, this... I mean, if they're getting paid from the school, they're no longer amateurs. How does the, how does the NCAA navigate these waters? But I think we can, at least I would say that 
the players having say in and conditions is undoubtedly a great thing right like 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 we said the, the, the always the argument before players got paid from NIL was listen when, when Johnny Manziel was at Texas A&M he was worth millions and millions of dollars in his name image and likeness which he took full advantage of against the rules correct correct but now now you don't the fact that you had to circumnavigate the rules and, and you know do cheating you had to cheat and and break rules yep. just to get um, value out of your work just to get, you know, compensated for what you are worth yep. was inherently wrong. Yep. If they're selling Johnny Manziel jerseys, I know Manziel wasn't on the back, but they're selling jerseys with his number, then every kid in the stadium is wearing a Johnny Manziel jersey. So he deserves to get paid. We all know that all students aren't bringing in money, right? Like if you are um, on the, the Yale fencing team, you're not you're not bringing in a whole lot of money to the school, and you're probably not going to be valued. Now the precedent has been set, and we talked about this at length yesterday. The precedent has been set that if you are a college athlete, you're an employee of the school, you're working hours for the school. That's the precedent that sets down not for just Division One college football, not just Division One college basketball. That's the precedent that's going to be set across all of college athletics. That means that kids that go to a D2 Tiffin University can essentially say, hey, I'm an employee of the school. Did, did you see what the precedent that was said by the, the National Labor Relations Board? So that Dartmouth basketball, they're, they're employees of the school. I play football for Tiffin University. Go Dragons. I should deserve to get paid. What does this mean for, for all athletics across college? I don't know. I don't either. I don't either. But what I do know is, is that, you know, Patino then throws out last night um, – a term we have never heard as it pertains to college sports, and that is salary cap. Oh, I mean, can you imagine? But, you know, it, there, it's going to be so interesting to see, okay, if you want to agree with all of that, and, and, I, and I'm no lawyer, I don't even try to play one on television. But if you're going to go down that road, and let's just define one of these students as an employee, well, if that's true, according to the National Labor Relations Board, and ultimately, let's say that's true across the country in college athletics. Now, doesn't the price of education have to account for that salary cap? You can't all of a sudden just say, hey, you know, you want money, you being the kid, okay? Right. You can't say you want control over working conditions, and then throw out as part of your compensation like it doesn't mean anything. Like, I mean, you can't do that on your taxes, right? right. All of a sudden, this, the, each of these kids is being given X amount of dollars that would otherwise you would be charged for to go to college, your college education. Correct? Correct? What, what you're, right. you're going to see is if, that is if that's the course that we're going down, which it appears so. And like I said, I'm, I'm more than pro that players, if they are worth money, they should get paid what, what, they're, what they are worth. But you're going to see schools not offering sports. You're going to see if they have to pay the players to play, what they're going to say is, and Elliot brought this up yesterday, I thought it was a beautiful point, is you're going to say, like, listen, we – if, if you're gonna if you're gonna say that you're an employee of the school to play um, women's soccer here at the University of Cincinnati, we're not offering anymore. We'll have a club team, we'll have facilities, and we'll, 
what you're going to see is these these schools are going to be club teams. They're just going to say, hey, you're not you're not school sponsored sports anymore because we don't want to pay you as employees because we can't because you don't bring any money to the school. And instead of jacking up tuition to seventy thousand dollars for in-state tuition to go to the University of Cincinnati, we're just going to say, hey, sorry. We're just not going to offer swim anymore. We're not going to offer all yep. these schools. You're going to see schools taking away sports. And that's where I think, like, it's what, what would be the point of the NCAA at this point, Tom? What's, the, what, what's their job at this point? To s- assign the rules? But the rules that they have in place are, are, aren't, in, aren't in tune with the times. So all, all the, all, whatever the NCAA is doing, sure, it, it's important for what they're doing for the women's swimming team, the men's volleyball team. Right. But for the big money makers, college basketball uh, and, and college football, they're essentially useless. They're, it's nonsense. You have to get rid of it, right? I mean, that's the only thing that I can that, – because if everybody's going to be an employee, then they're just going to uh, follow. And this is what I, I had a question uh, with – I had a question about this with Reed yesterday. Um, who, who assigns the punishments now? Because if, if – let's say the Dartmouth basketball team does something wrong. Are they still buying are – are, are, is that team still under the – the thumb of the NCAA, or they have thumb under the school. Well, I think it's the way it sets up right now. They are, I think, I think. But I what mean, we, we got a lot of smart people in this chat, man, that are bringing up some really interesting points. Harrow, wouldn't the college be required to offer benefits to the students if right. they're an employee? So the same thing as you're the guy who cleans the uh, English building every night, right? You're the custodian. You go there yep. because it's a solid job. You're working for the government in public school cases, right? Uh, you, you get some kind of compensation in terms of a pension, but you also get your medical and dental and all that kind of thing to provide for your family. That's a great point, okay? Um, then Colton says, well, don't count, uh, don't count college funds for these players. Where else are they going to go? The pro leagues are in bed with the NCAA in agreement both football and basketball, yep. that you can't go pro after X amount of time. That's right. You can't jump from high school to the NBA anymore. You used to be able to do it. You can't do it anymore. In football, you got to be in school for three years. You may not play three years, but you got to be in school for three years. I mean, th- these are fantastic, uh, fantastic points. And, and, and I'll tell you, there are a lot more. I mean, and then the last one being from, from Nick Kirby, which is spot on, is that, you know, to your point, Reed, is that here you had all this stuff going on at the University of Arizona. They're $200 million in the hole, mm-hmm. right? Their athletic department is $200 million in the hole. And now they are bailing on the lesser, if you will, sports. Left yeah, and well, right. It's the, their expenses, right? And it used to be that caught, like your your big your big money making sports would pay for those expenses. Ohio State football pays for all the athletics at Ohio State. Now they are going to have to start playing their players. Well, they're not going to bring in that much more money from football, so you got to start cutting expenses on the back end, and that's going to be sports. I brought up this, and as silly as this sounds. There are a lot of small schools, schools that I went to play college athletics at. It's in NCAA. That is like Bluffton University, Mount St. Joe University, Thomas More. A large majority of their model as a school is say, hey, we are going to offer a haven for these kids to keep our enrollment numbers up. We're going to offer a haven for these kids to continue their athletic careers. Like 70% of Bluffton's enrollment are athletes. 
I think only like 1,200 kids go there. I think there's like 800 kids that are athletes. So their model is, hey, we're going to get as many kids to come in, play football, play, play basketball, play baseball, play whatever. And that's going to keep our enrollment numbers up. Well, if the precedent has now been set that if you play college athletics, you work 40 hours, you do all these things to, to be an athlete, you are now an employee of the school, and therefore you have to pay these, these players, these small schools can't offer that. They straight up can't do that anymore. So well, are, I don't know if the big can't can anymore. They, well, they, if they can't, if you don't know if they can, the small schools can't. So what's going to happen is, is they're going to say, well, uh, I don't know. Like we can't have these sports anymore because now we got to pay these kids. What happens to these small schools? Are you going to see like division three schools, which are a major part of this country? Absolutely. There's, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of division three schools. There's do dozens here in the state of Ohio. Are they going to start disappearing because they can't? Now they can't offer athletics, therefore their enrollment plummets, therefore the school has to close down. Well, these, are un, these are unforeseen consequences of a decision that I think we knew was a long time coming, but the NCAA wasn't ready for it. Colleges weren't ready for it. I don't think – do, do we see athletes becoming employees coming? I, th I don't think I saw that one coming. I knew they were going to get paid, and, and right. Reed is correct. They, they should be paid. But I thought the whole point of the NIL was that outside people will pay all the donors, all the all the uh, boosters. They will they will bring their money into a pot, and that money will go to everybody else. It's an easy it's an easy end around. And Jack put in a good question in the chat too, Tom. At at what point if if you're just if we're just hiring employees, why would we not hire a thirty year old employee? Well, then that's where I was going because if all of a sudden you have this going on, and that's a great point. I was thinking the same thing. Just thanks for pointing that out. Is that Technically, if they are now employees of your university, any school, right. doesn't matter. Why couldn't you go hire yeah. a 28-year-old playing in the G League to come play basketball? And, and, because, and the reason, some might say, well, they don't have any eligibility left. Well, they're no longer conceivably, the argument is going to be made sooner or later that if you're an employee... You don't have to fall under these eligibility rules right. set by some governing body. You're an employee that can be hired by any university to do anything at any time, athletically. How would you feel, Tom? You sit down. I'm gonna, I want to paint a picture for you. You sit down. It's, it's November. You just had a lovely Thanksgiving break. You get on Saturday. And, of course, there's a big game that plays on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And you sit down on your sofa with your family to watch your beloved Ohio State Buckeyes and out running from the opposite tunnel is number 12, Tom Brady. Because <laughs> now pro, like, right, they're pros, right? You, there's no eligibility status. Somebody's got to save Michigan. 47-year-old 40, Tom Brady out there to get it done for Michigan. <laughs> I mean, you can say that stuff tongue-in-cheek and, and laugh about it, but it's true. It's right. true. Jack Butler says it right there. There'd be no eligibility. This, It'd be no different than playing overseas or playing in the minor leagues. So, so this is an, where there is chaos, and we are heading into a, a moment where there's going to be some chaos. Because now that this precedent has been set, there's going to be a mad dash for all the speculation, everything we're doing. This gives the NCAA, which we have heavily criticized, not just on this show, but of course uh, across sports media as a toothless organization, as someone who, who really doesn't have a grip on what they're supposed to be doing, which is governing college athletics. They have an opportunity 
to at least gain some control over this because there's going to be a mad dash for, for new rules and new regulations to where the NCAA, they could step down and they could be a leader here and go, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fight against this. This makes sense legally. This, I mean, if you want to be an employee, they have an opportunity to get new um, powers. The NCAA does throughout the midst of, of the chaos that is ahead of college athletics. So you're sitting here talking about, let's say, Ohio State. Sean Connor brings this up, okay? Ohio State is by far the number one revenue-generating university from an athletic standpoint in the United States. I mean, last year, $252 million generated by Ohio State University Athletics under the direction of one Gene Smith. Their expenses, so 252, their expenses were 226. Now, that's a pretty nice little payday, yep. right? Okay. You're looking at 27 million there, okay? In the in 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 as a surplus. What does that look like next year when your women's volleyball team your women's basketball team, your men's basketball team, your men's football team, your men's lacrosse team, your track and field team, men and women, your field hockey team, men and women. And Ohio State's ranked in the top 20 in all of these. Doesn't matter if they're in the top 20 or not, but they are. So they put a lot of money and a lot of money behind these other sports. Well, now all of a sudden, you're going out to play Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA. Okay, you know where I'm going here. Mm -hmm. How fast is that 25 million start getting? You can say, well, yeah, they got these TV contracts. Well, they do have these TV contracts and, and for a pile of money. But they've got a pile of money now. But the expenses, it seems to me, are about to go through the roof. No doubt. No doubt. They've got a whole, they've got a whole new uh, roster of employees. If this, is, and this isn't the rule of the land yet. Correct. Right. I think the NCAA needs to is going to fight this pretty hard, maybe taking this to like Supreme Court or something they like that. They have to. Because National Labor Relations Board, they are they're high up there, but no one's higher in the land when it comes to legal rulings than obviously the Supreme Court. So it might go up there. Congress for a long time now has fought against this, or the NCAA has fought in Congress um, for, for a long time to, to keep this from happening. It's going to be interesting. One thing that's going to be interesting, uh, you, you brought up the Rick Pitino stuff talking about salary cap. If, if that's in the future, and they give Division One football schools a salary cap, in theory, they would all be able to spend the same amount of money, right? Like, they would all have a similar salary cap. You're telling me Ohio State football is granted the same amount of money to, to pay their employees, pay their players, as North Texas? Well, no, uh, Patino added in, okay. in that conversation, he said, you've got the big, big, big boys. He said, I can't speak for everybody else. But when he was talking about – he was talking specifically about basketball and talking about pretty much the Power Five conferences that really have okay. big TV deals. Okay. Actually, it's down to Power Four, truth be told, now with a, basically basically the elimination of the Pac-12, where you've got the ACC, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12. And, and in basketball, anyway, Big East. But they're not the revenue generators because there's no football that the other ones have, nor do they have the expenses okay. of football. okay. So that's what he's talking about. I, I just think there's there, and, I, and Lord knows I am I am nowhere close to having the intelligence level to figure this thing out. It's a mess. It is a mess. It's a mess. 
And it all started, and nobody has a problem with it, but it all started with the education wasn't good enough, that the universities were making money off these young athletes. Why can't they get paid? I mean, what is the cost of an education? I can tell you what the cost of an education. I'm paying for two of them right now. And a lot of you know. <laughs> I mean, man, you better be socking money in that 529 plan like a week after they're born. Because the insanity of the cost of a college education. Now, look, if your kid is in state, and that's what most, of, most people have to do, and you go to Miami, you get some scholarship money here, need, base, whatever it might be, you know, you're getting some incredible value for an education, but you're still reaching deep in that wallet. Deep in that wallet. And, and, and that's the thing when, when all of this conversation arose, like before NIL came along, that was always the argument is their payment is their education. And for 99.8% of athletes in college athletics, if you were getting a scholarship, that's more than enough. Absolutely. Payment. That's more than enough, right? You, you're getting to go to school for free. I know people that played Division One college athletics not because they wanted to, but because they had to. That's right. I know. I know some I, of those kids. I, there was a girl that I went to college or went to high school with that wanted no part of playing Division One athletics, but she got a scholarship to play. Her parents said, "Listen, you're playing. I know you don't want to. You got to play. It's you're, you're, if you're you want to go to college, right? Yeah, if you, you, that's your two options, right? You can go to college or not. You can you can go to Miami Hamilton here in town, which is a fantastic effort. Yep. But if you want to go and have that college experience, you're going to play college so soccer. I'm sorry about it. But, like, it's it's hard to argue the other way, though. I mean, like like I said, I, I brought up the names like Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, all these names that were giant brands for the sports. Those guys were worth money. They deserve to be paid money. It's just now we are left with the rubble of the decisions that, yeah, these kids deserve to be paid. And now – What's going to happen to college athletics? Well, and then you bring in, I mean, Lord knows. I mean, these things, the wheels just keep turning because you're thinking about all of these other legislative decisions, whether they be with the federal government in a Title IX case, okay, which was supposed to give women, right, the chance to compete and be treated the same way as the men. Does that mean that the swimmer at – at, uh, at UC is going to be a female swimmer at UC is going to be treated the same as the, uh, the quarterback at Ohio State? Of course not. But they're going to get the same stuff as far as their education. They're going to get a stipend. They're going to get all these kinds of things that at least is a base level. But man, yeah, I mean, you had a lot of women that fought and fought. And today is National Women's Sports Day. Today. And what a day to have it in this conversation we're talking about now. Because all of a sudden, if you're the parent of a young woman and you're an athlete, and think of all the things that you could be facing on this very day. You're competing in some cases against what used to be a man. And now all of a sudden, how fair is that across the board? Anybody who has ever had, and look, you can be the most uber liberal person in the world. 
I would love to find 10 people who have a daughter that competes in athletics, that believes it is fair or sane to have that girl's dreams to go do X, Y, and Z and all of a sudden have to compete against a man. Okay, you got that going on. Then you have now this possibility of their employees, are we going to go to the club sports and no longer offer these scholarships to these young women who have busted their tail since they were five years old in a swimming pool or a soccer field or lacrosse field or whatever it might be. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I just... And, and anybody who's ever had a daughter that plays sports, you know, if you've never had a daughter that plays sports, or maybe a sister or something like that, you know, an easy thing to do is, ah, it's women's sports. Well, when you get a daughter that plays it, you don't look at it so much like that anymore. Because they are out for blood just like the dudes are. And they're playing their tail off, and they're showing up for practice every single day, and they are giving it everything they got. They deserve better. And I just don't know if these kinds of rulings, ultimately, where it's going to lead if you want to keep employees of universities, are you able to maintain eligibility rules? Are you able to maintain Title IX? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Tom, on National Women's Sports Day, who's the best women athlete of all time? Best what? On National Women's Sports Day, who do you think is the, the greatest woman athlete of all time? Greatest woman athlete of all time. Boy. Serena? Serena's my pick. She, I mean, she'd have to be right there for sure. Right. Although, you know what? I mean, everybody talks about a lot of her career numbers and that kind of thing. Um, I tell you what, man, and you guys aren't old enough to remember Martina Navratilova. Mm. She was a far more dominant force in the big ones, if you will. Now, don't, doesn't Martina have more titles Most than women's Serena Williams? Women's tennis titles. We're putting all that I don't up. think so. I think Serena has all of them, doesn't she? I thought major she did not. That's what I'm talking about. I thought there were people like, uh, who's the other one I'm forgetting? Australian. Margaret Court. Margaret Court. Margaret Court has the most. Yes, I knew she had the most. She has 24. Serena Williams has 23. Um, Martina has 18. Okay. Um, the German, um, Seti. Steffi Graf. Yeah. Yeah. She has 22. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, look, and then you can get into some of the. Uh, Simone Biles is up there. For, yeah, for no the doubt. You, you could get into uh, uh, some of the sprinters through the years, Kate, right? Yep. Kate Jones, what's her name? Oh, no, I forget her name. Remember the one that's been in the last number of uh, Olympics? Katie Ledecky, the Katie swimmer, Ledecky, yeah. she, she sets records. Oh, and no doubt. She, she's, no doubt. She's fantastic. No Who doubt. was the, um, the, the golfer? Um, famous woman golfer. Sorry. I'm... All right. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Jolly Jolly says it's Paige Sporanic. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not her. It's not uh, okay. All right. We have anything else we got to get to here today? Anything else happening? Nope. No other programming notes other than we're going to box lunch after this. Um, there's there's no night night. There's no uh, content coming out later this evening, other than our YouTube videos clipping up from today. But 
Yeah, no other okay. shows today. All right, we got some. I'm showing you some other ones in here. Any other suggestions I might be missing? Uh, Babe Dickerson, uh, talking along. Danica Patrick. I mean, she's done Billie Jean King, done phenomenal things. Sorenstam, Annika Sorenstam was, yeah. was the one I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. So that. there's a lot of great ones. A Billie lot Jean of King. great. We didn't ones. mention Billie Jean King. Yeah. Yep. Um, Muhammad Ali's daughter was a pretty famous boxer, right? Or at one point, was she? I don't know that. Yes, she was. Yeah, she, yes. was, she was pretty good. Ronda yes, Rousey and, and, and women's UFC, stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, who's the, oh, gosh, famous basketball player from the 90s? Um, Leslie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, she does all the stuff on TV now, I think. Right? Women's basketball. Man, well, I tell you what, Lisa this Caitlin Clark, Lisa man. Leslie, Lisa Leslie, Lisa Leslie, this Caitlin Clark is uh, is is she's, she's pretty amazing too. Pretty amazing what she's got going on. All right, time for box. We have a cherry on top or no today? No cherry nope. on top. No cherry on top. Okay, then we got uh, boxed lunch uh, with the boys. Casey, Lindsay, have a good day. You too. Thank you, Tom. All right, boys, well done. We'll Have a good day, box lunch, and that means Wednesday it is Reed's day. I mean, it is Elliot's day to host. You almost had it. it I it did. Is. I was looking at got you. A, a <laughs> it is Elliot's day to host. So, box lunch, here we go, begins right now. <laughs> 